turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts chapter 2. We have been going over a, a series uh, over the past uh, several weeks on first steps for believers. Again, as we've mentioned that this is uh, th- this message series is not first steps for new believers, but for believers, because I've you probably know this as well, that uh, there's people who've been saved, whether it be five minutes, five years, or 50 years, that sometimes you just do not see any spiritual growth. You know, they maybe come to church, they might get involved in something, but really there's no measurable markers like how do you actually live the Christian life? Uh, what is involved in that? And so we are calling this First Steps for Believers. And so as we look at today's passage, we're going to be talking about growing as we worship as we worship, growing as we worship. How do we grow in the Lord as we worship? Acts chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse 41 until the end of the chapter. Follow along, please, as I read. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, and every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. The purpose of Victory Baptist Church is to glorify God by proclaiming the gospel, growing in grace, and making disciples. That's what it's about, growing in great, proclaiming the gospel, growing in grace, making disciples. Really, that's the essence of the Great Commission right there. But my question is, is how do we begin our new life in Jesus? Again, this is kind of a reminder every week we've been doing this, but how do we begin our new life in Christ? The Bible says, if any man or woman be in Christ, they are what? A new creature. All things are passed away. All things are become new. You you are living a new life. For those who are are saved or have been saved for a while, uh, I probably don't have to remind you, what was life like before you were saved? (laughs) All right, look at your life now. Hopefully there's a difference. There's a change. There's something that's noticeable to you, but also to others. People say, man, there's just something different about you. And that's because, really, of what Christ has done in your life. It was done in your heart. So, but the thing is this, what do we do now that we're saved? Okay, the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're not saved by works. It's all of all of God's grace. Praise the Lord for that. There's nothing that I did to get my own salvation, simply by the grace of God that happened, falling at his feet and his mercy. But as we think about that, the Bible also says this is in Ephesians 2, if you want to look there later, but we are saved by grace through faith and not of works, but we're saved to do good works, okay? And so we are set now, now that you're saved, now that's when the works start coming into place. Uh, Before that, the works were, well, maybe good at a surface level, but that really didn't, that isn't coming from a true life change, okay? So it's so very, very important as we see this. So now that you're saved, Bible says next is to follow him in believer's baptism. I pray that you have done this today as well, uh, that we have been scripturally immersed uh, in the waters of baptism, and that's simply a uh, showing the world what Christ has done for us, how that Jesus was uh, had died on the cross for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, 
triumphant over sin and death. And we show the world through baptism in the water of what Christ did for us. Praise God for that. Now you start your walk with Christ. And, and so what we have talked about in our journey with, with the Lord is these important steps to know, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's 2 Peter 3.18. We are then to grow in God's word as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We also then talk about having a pattern of prayer, uh, having prayer a part of your life. Prayer is simply talking to God, but bringing your requests, your supplications, thanksgiving uh, to, to the Lord and doing that on a, having a pattern of prayer. Very, very important. And then we also talk, this was kind of a fun uh, conversation we had before. We grow by listening to God. So much in our world today is so fast paced. I don't know how it is brother in Thailand, but uh, it's, it's a fast paced world today and people don't sit still long enough to really listen to the Lord. You read your Bible, you pray, maybe come to church and then what? You're on to the Vikings game. God bless you, right? I'm just, I'm just calling for what it is, right? You're thinking the same thing, okay? Or you're thinking of the lunch downstairs, whatever it is, okay? We, we have other things that are on our mind. They compete with us all the time. How important is it for us to simply stop and listen to what the Lord has to say to us? Very important as we see that. You see, we are created for fellowship. The more that we listen to him, the more we love him, and the more we love him, the more we obey him. And so this is, again, one way that promotes the growth. Now, these things itself do not cause you to grow. Just like, I, you know, if I, if I did 10 push-ups right here, man, I, that might, might show off my strength, which, you know, that's another issue. But the thing is this, if I, sh if I do 10 push-ups here, do I get stronger immediately because of that? No, it takes time. It takes practice and it takes discipline to do that. Just as you do 10 push-ups a day, all right, Brother Healy, you and I will have a contest later, okay? You'll beat me, okay? But as we, as we do that, you do that over and over, what happens? You build your strength. The same thing, when you do these as spiritual disciplines, they promote that spiritual growth and that strength that we desperately need as we live for the Lord. Very, very important. So last week, we learned about the importance of growing as we gather, talking about the gathering of believers together, and especially in the local church, how important it is to be at church. And to be with you, there's a lot of things out there that are probably more attractive, easier to do, and a lot easier to sleep in, right? Especially on a colder day. But you came because of the food downstairs. I know it. Okay? But is it important that we gather? Why? Because God commanded it. It says in Hebrews 10, 25, we covered this last week, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting or encouraging one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. And we talked there about the return of the Lord, that we believe that the Lord is going to return, I pray, any day. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But even with that in mind, shouldn't we even more so strive to gather together as believers? The church is a called out assembly. It's those who have gathered here today for a purpose not just for common interest, but really for a common purpose. And that is really to honor our Lord Jesus Christ. So my question is this, do you look forward to church? Do you look forward to attending here? Uh, it's probably not so much the building that attracts you. There's better buildings out there. There's worse buildings, but still, there's, there's better things that are out there. But really, we're gathering because of the people. We're gathering here together as a family. It's a family gathering, okay? And we do that to honor our Lord. You know, many churches try to encounter God by creating an environment that speaks to the senses, 
They say, come for an experience at church that you'll never forget. Okay, there's some churches like that. Some good churches that, that do that. They, there's different ways to do it, you know. We don't have like a meat raffle going on downstairs or, you know, the for if you bring 10 people, you're going to get a new gun for hunting season. You know, there's churches that have maybe, I hate to where you use the word gimmick, but it almost comes across that way. And so I think we got to be careful a little bit of why, what's the purpose of our gathering? Why we do that, okay? So the thing is this, what about our worship? Why do we gather today? We worship God. That's why we gather. We come to church to worship God. That's what this is all about, okay? So I like what one, I think it was A.W. Tozer, if I remember right, who, who kind of challenged uh, churches kind of along this way. What would worship look like in your church if we took away the stage, took away the lights, the music, whatever else you want, okay? Whatever else you deem attractive or attracting to, to visitors or guests. If you took away all those aesthetics, what are you left with? Brother Jarvie, you were talking about starting house churches, and a lot of the times that's just meager, uh, meager means right there. Um, I think I told you the story before when we were when we were ministering in Israel, that uh, there was a a group of uh, Nepali uh, people that were foreign workers there, and uh, we, I became friends with uh, one of the Nepali pastors. So these are again migrant workers, and so every once in a while I would go and I would preach at their little um, church. It was an apartment. And in that culture, of course, everyone sat on the floor, take off your shoes, as customer in the East. And so it was January in that Tel Aviv apartment, very cold floors, all cement. And so I thought, well, I wore wool socks that day because I would have froze to death if I didn't. But anyways, I come and and uh, I preached to this gathering, very simple gathering. They didn't even have chairs, folks. Well, well how about you? You buy your neighbor, your relative at church. But I guess what? There's no chairs here. You just have to sit on the floor. Do you think they would come? You know, is that really in, I tell you what, I think it's some of its cultural reasons and all that. You get to the mission field, I think we'll really appreciate. You have padded pews. Let me stop there. You have pews. Then now how to be padded. We have lights. We have heat. Thanks God for a brand new HVAC system. Okay? That works. All right, we should be very thankful for the things. You were able to drive in here relatively peaceful idle, but I hope you had a peaceful drive coming in. You didn't have to worry about the rush hour of Bangkok, for example. Minneapolis can be that way some days, but yeah, okay. Anyways, nonetheless, what are we left with if we take away all these ascetics? You think of the mega churches, you think of even our church, it doesn't matter. You take away all that, what are you left with? Why are we here? See, we are here to worship God. So we're talking today about growing as we worship. So what does it mean to worship God? Well, worship really is adoration. It's adoring God for what he has done. And worship is really our response to the work of God in our lives. Worship is our response to the work of God in our lives. Now, can that be done individually? Can you do that on your own? You know, maybe God does a blessing or he brings to your mind uh, something that he provided for. Maybe you're having your morning devotions. Can you praise God and adore him in that moment? Nod your head, yes. You can do that. And I encourage you to do that. Take time to thank God. God has done some of your lives and praise the Lord. But isn't it great when we get together as a church family and we can do the exact same thing? God has done a great work in your life. Yesterday, 
was the funeral service of Brother Dick Gextran. We uh, we shared how he came to know the Lord as his Savior uh, back when he was a teenager. He lived his life faithful to his family, faithful to his church, to the church. Uh, shouldn't we praise the Lord for that? You know what? We actually had a, found out after the service that there were several folks here that uh, were not believers, that there were neighbors that came and they really liked Dick as a neighbor. They wanted to come and honor him. And guess what? They were able to hear the gospel. Praise God for that opportunity. We adore God for that moment. I thank God for how he's worked in, in the lives of, of those that are here today, bringing us here to this moment to Victory Baptist Church. And maybe you have a different story how you came here or why you came. Sometimes it, it was a prophet's conference for the Healy's. That's what brought him here. Maybe something else for you. But nonetheless, we're here. And why are we here? Why are we here on this Sunday? And the, uh, the, question, or the answer is simply to worship God. I like what Warren Worsby says talking about worship. Really, when you think about it, we are not worthy to worship God, but he is worthy of our worship. Think about that. We are not worthy to worship God. We're sinners, but we're sinners, praise God, saved by grace. We're not worthy to worship God, but he is worthy of our worship. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. We are ordinary people serving extraordinary God. People come to a church, they want to see something extraordinary. They want to see something fancy, a production and all that. And there's some churches that do it. And, but obviously the thing is this, we are simply ordinary people serving extraordinary God. God works through ordinary means. Ordinary people in ordinary churches doing ordinary things to be his instruments to impact the world. I like that. Say that look, look at that one more time. We are simply ordinary people in ordinary churches doing ordinary things as his instruments to impact the world. So why do we come to, to church? We gather to worship God. Therefore, let us grow as we worship. There's a song, which we would have sang it earlier. I didn't think about it until like the last minute, but the song, brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Maybe you know that song. It's a good song, but the song, the first verse says, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. So the thing is this, when we look at here now in Acts chapter 2, they, verse 41, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. As we look at this passage, Acts chapter 2, this is uh, really the beginnings of the, the church here, and Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. He's preaching a full message right there. It's, it's pretty amazing what he has to say. And what's the end of result? He challenged him to repent, to turn to Christ for what, from their sins. And what had happened? They that gladly received his word, they obeyed. Or they, they, they received his word. They believed it. They were baptized, and then they joined that assembly right there, the, those 3,000 souls that were there. Praise God for that. But there's one key thing that I think we often miss when we talk about our church gathering. The church that gathered here, what happened before Peter preached on the day of Pentecost? Beginning Acts 2, what happened? The Holy Spirit came and dwelt the believers at that moment. Okay? So Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and what you see here is the outworking through Peter. You see the result, that was through the Spirit, that these 3,000 were saved because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The Holy Spirit convicts, draws people to Jesus, okay? Points people to Jesus. How important, much more so for us at this gathering here today, that we also be Spirit-filled, that we really desire God's presence through the Holy Spirit in and our lives, in everything we say and do, 
whether it be singing, praying, giving, testifying, uh, listening to the word of God being read, listening to it preach, and responding in such a way that the Spirit works in each and every one of our lives for his glory. Shouldn't we desire that? Shouldn't we desire that God would work in our midst and work in my heart? And I pray he'll work in your hearts today that we will leave this building changed than when we first came. Our minds are easily distracted on other things, but let God's word work through us and be led by the Spirit in giving thanks to him and let us be a worshiping church in that, giving praise to God. So what does worship look like? That's kind of the question. So again, if you're a new believer or an older believer, it doesn't matter. What does worship look like? What's the nuts and bolts of that? And so when we think about this, what happened here in the early church? And these are the verses we're looking at starting uh, we mentioned what happened in verse 41, now verse 42. And they, the believers there, uh, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So what this is referring to is the practice of worship. The practice of worship. You see, first of all, a worshiping church is made up of true believers. A worshiping church is made up of true believers. There are people that sometimes come, they're believers or, and sometimes non-believers that are here. Non-believers, you're welcome to, to come and do this, but non-believers do not make up the church, okay? That's, that's important to understand that because why? We are worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A non-believer can't do that, okay? And so as we think about that, as the, uh, as the believers, what do they do? They continue steadfastly in the apostle doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread and prayers. So this here is important. The practice of worship that the believers had is based on a focus on the cross because of what Jesus did. What was Peter's message all about? I'll let you read through that whole chapter before, but in essence, Peter's sharing the gospel. He's giving a little bit of Israel's history, and he finally brings them to Christ. He says in verse 36, Therefore let the house of Israel know assuredly that God who hath made the same Jesus whom he crucified, both Lord and Christ. He brings them to the cross. And so the thing is this, here in our congregation, when we gather together, in some way, shape, or form, our worship should be centered and focused on the cross of what Jesus did for us. Praise God for that. So what's the model for the church? It's really, in verse 42, is to continue steadfastly or earnestly is the idea. And there's four different areas that it's mentioned here. This is how it is. So here's how do we practice worship? First of all, we continue steadfastly or earnestly in the apostles' doctrine. In other words, this is simply the teachings of the truth of Jesus Christ. You think about that. You're listening to Peter who spent the past three years with Jesus personally, walked with them everywhere, saw his miracles, heard his teachings, saw when he was, uh, uh, he, he was even there when he was arrested and everything. All these things are on Peter's mind, okay? And so as you think about that, these are the teachings of the truth of Jesus Christ. They're sharing that with others. So the thing is, when we gather here together, our focus is on that as well. We are learning to teach about the truth of Jesus Christ as found in his word, okay? There's also, the next part is, and that's in fellowship. Fellowship, the, the Greek word is koinonia, the gathering, the fellowship that we have. And it's really a, a type of connection, connecting with one another. But really the idea is this, that this fellowship is really the sharing of the life of Christ. You know, there's a lot of fellowships that are around today. You could have fellowship of a car club. 
of a sewing club, of a, a craft club, a kids club, whatever. There's all kinds of fellowships that are around today. But when we talk about church fellowships, in fact, you know, we have even a, downstairs, we have a fellowship hall. That's where we're going to go and have our lunch here in a little bit. But as we think about that, the fellowship that we have, it's not so much about getting together just for the sake of eating or because you had a friend here. It's really sharing the life of Christ with each other. Because of what Jesus has done in you, you share that with one another. My question, has God done something in your life through Jesus Christ? Are you excited about that? You want to share that with others. This is life-touching life discipleship. This is what it's about. That's the koinonia. How was that done? It says next in breaking of bread. The breaking of bread, uh, we think of um, really a couple of things. First of all, it was common for these believers to have what was known, and Paul actually addresses this later in 1 Corinthians, as having a love feast, that they would gather together at their assemblies and they would eat together. They would fellowship with one another. And then they would also, when we think of the breaking bread more in a formal way, we think of the Lord's Supper or of communion, or sometimes also called the Lord's Table. And that was done by those churches that had gathered together, those believers, they gathered together. For again, all this points to sharing the life of Christ with each other. And the Bible says we are supposed to do that till he comes. And then the last part is in prayers. And it's interesting, the word prayers is here. It doesn't say in prayer, it says in prayers, plural. And what this amounts to is this, we have prayers and we have a prayer, you should have a prayer life. You take time out of your day, I pray, <laughs> that you take time to pray to the Lord. But how important it is for us as a church to gather together as well to pray corporately? We take time, especially on Wednesday nights, we always take time to pray, having different requests. We have missions, uh, moments for missions that are presented, and we take uh, strategic time to pray. But whenever we pray here in our church, we do it corporately together as well. There is a blessing to that, and here we see that lived out in Acts uh, 2, verse 42. The, the idea is that the model of the church to continue earnestly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. So important. The thing, the thing is this. I like what one preacher said this way. Church is not a spectator sport. It is not God's will for your life just to sit on a pew of Victory Baptist Church. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're sitting there. But that's where it begins. Okay? Church is not a spectator sport. Fellowship implies relationship. Fellowship, I like what this preacher said here, fellowship is gathering with the goal to stimulate each other to spiritual growth. Let me read it again. Fellowship is the gathering with the goal to stimulate each other to spiritual growth. You go to one another and you say, hey, brother, I've been praying for you. Hey, how God's working in your life? Hey, and I like to hear Brother Skip's testimony. Tell me how you got saved. And didn't kill uh, Brother Comfort in the process, okay? <laughs> That's another story for another time. But I love to hear these stories. And why can't we focus on that? Take time to do that. Yes, there's things that we like to talk about. But also take time to stimulate spiritual growth in each other. How is God working? How can I pray for you? How are things going? Things like that. Those are very, very important, okay? So this is the practice of worship. Now let's talk about the unity of worship. Look with me in verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all they that believed uh, were together and had in, in all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. This is here talking about the unity in worship. Unity in worship. When we say about worship, we're doing the practice of it, okay? 
the unity. First of all, they had a, a reverence or awe for the work of God. Again, verse 43, and fear or awe or reverence came upon every soul, all those believers. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. We remember the works of Jesus, but remember also in the early church, Peter, actually in chapter three, he heals a lame man, for example. There's other things that take part in Paul's life, for example. And people were in awe of what took place there. These were the works of God that had happened. And there should be a reverence and awe for the work of God. When God does something in our midst, we should be in awe of what he has done. Have you really taken time to see that? My word is it's this past couple of months, God has done some things in the church in the backgrounds that, you know, humanly speaking, I really can't explain. But God was there. God helped. I think uh, Kim and Scott are here, and I think about your mom, Marcy. I, th I saw how God worked in her life in her final days. She gave thanks, and I shared it. Her last breath, literally, was sharing Bible verses and praying. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Lord Jesus, help me in your holy name. Amen. She said that over and over. That was her dying breath. I think of Brother Dick Ekstrand, who his last words to me when I visited him in hospice, just hours before he passed, I told him, Brother Ekstrand and Brother Dick, we, we love you. We're praying for you. God loves you. And he says this, I love Jesus and I love the church. Please tell them thank you for praying for me. That was his last words to me. I, I don't know how to explain, but that's the work of God in a life who simply wants to follow him. You know, those are simple things. Sometimes people say, well, they'll overlook it. But God is doing some things here in our church in the midst of all these things. I see how God is working in the lives of John and Paul Ray right now. I see God is working in the life of Diana and your sister Betty right now. Just amazing how God is taking care of her right now. You know, God is taking care of each and every one of you in so many ways. Will you simply look and notice that? Notice that blessing. He doesn't forget. He doesn't abandon. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Here's the point. The keeper of Israel is my keeper. The guardian of Israel is my guardian. He will not lose sleep. He will not go to sleep over you. He is there for you. What a blessing that is. Let us be in awe of the work of God. And the outflowing of that is a love for one another. In verse 44, And all they that believed were together and had all things in common. They sold possessions. They gave every, to every man there. Verses 40, 44 to 45. Here's the thing. Worship leads to service. Worship leads to service. To serving God, but serving one another. Look for opportunities, even our own myths, and others in your community to be a blessing to others. This is life in community right here. And then focusing on meeting one another's needs. Verse 45, it's interesting that they sold their possessions, they parted to every man as need. Some people have uh, accused this. Of, this is a, a sentence for communism. This is not communism, but I like what Warren Worsby says. This is communism. They had things in common. They helped each other in their needs specifically, okay? Very, very important. It's not a, you know, just a status quo. We'll talk about that another time. But nonetheless, this is having all things in common, meeting one another's needs. And then we look at the last part here. There's not just a practice in worship, a unity in worship, but there's also a joy in worship, verse 46 and 47. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Here's the joy in worship. There was a 
first of all, focus on fellowship. The fellowship there was, it's interesting, it was formal and informal. You see, where they were were they in verse 46? They continued daily in one accord, where? In the temple. And then where? House to house. They were in the temple worshiping, and they were in house to house worshiping. This was a formal, temple had its own form and services there. And then they went to house to house and worshiped there as well. And that's our fellowship. It should be as well. Formal, informal. In the temple, there God is on high. And there, house to house, we see that God is nigh. Very important. At the temple, the word was received. And at the house, the word is lived out. So here's the thing. This is another key aspect of worship and unity and worship and joy is this, that worship and fellowship is not just for one day a week. We went to church on Sunday. We checked off the list. We're done for the week. Go back to what you were doing. No, the Christian life is much more important. It's not just for one way, the de- one way because there's a key word that pops up here quite a bit actually in the book of Acts, and that's the word. How often do they do this? Daily. Daily they did this, not just even on Sunday. Folks, you don't be a part-time Christian. Don't be a part-time Christian. You leave this home and say, okay, I did my Sunday duty. I can do whatever I want now. Folks, we need to take this seriously, our worship to Lord, doing it every day. Every day is a day to give thanks to the Lord. It's a day to encourage. It's a day to serve one another. Very, very important. Okay? So we focus on fellowship. And then also a challenge, remember and recite the works of God. Remember his wonders, his answers, his transformations that he has made. Also remember the attributes of God. As you think about it, how do you worship God? Remember his holiness, his love, his goodness, his eternality, his immutability, the fact that he changes not. Uh, and remember these things and thank God for that. Thank you, God, that you are God that does not change, that you are eternal, that you are mighty, that you work in our lives. Remember that. Understand this, that worship or fellowship with joy and simplicity is simply giving glory to God. That's what it amounts to. So what's the effect of our worship? Where does this all lead to? What's the end result of this? What does it look like at the end? Well, verse 46, the end of it says, they they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And daily as the Lord added to the church daily as such as should be saved. Okay. So the effect of worship is here in verse 47. First of all, they had favor with all the people, with others. Other people noticed inside the community and outside. People notice when they're saying there's something different about Victory Baptist Church. There's something different about that people. God is working there, okay? It's interesting. How do we know that God is working our midst? Here's a good, good sign. Jesus himself said this, John 13, 35. By this shall all men know ye that ye are my disciples, if ye have a good potluck. This shall you know by you are my disciples if you are all Vikings fans. Sorry, Dave. You're out. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> what is what does Jesus say? By this shall you know that you are my disciples, what? If you have love one for another. My question, do you love the church? Not referring to the church building. Oh, maybe you love the church building too. But do you love one another? Look across this room. You know, one thing I've been challenged with all the funerals and things that have been going on in the church family, how well do you really know one another here? How many really knew Brother Dick Ekstrand? I'll be honest with you, he was kind of a little bit harder to get to know. You had to kind of warm up to him a little bit. But once you met him, oh, he, was, he was quite a gem. But really, how well do you know one another? How well do you love one another? I encourage you when we go downstairs in a few minutes to take time to love on one another. 
life touching life. Do it for the glory of God. Here's the here's the thing. Your your I like this quote. Your withness being together, being with each other. There's a lot of one another's in the Bible, but being with one another, your withness will enhance your witness. You know that your withness will enhance your witness. What you do in sharing the gospel with others, that is really reflective of how much you love one another here. Very important. Here's the other effect of the church. The Lord builds his church. He adds. He says at the very end, the Lord added to the church daily as such as should be saved. Who builds the church? It's Jesus who built the church. Thou art Peter upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here's the point. Being faithful in our ordinary worship and let God do extraordinary things through extraordinary people. Be faithful. Simply be faithful. How important it is for us to gather together. And really what this is, is our fellowship here of worship is really a taste of future glory. One day we will be in heaven together. And guess what? We will worship the King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen. Our fellowship is, of worship is a taste of future glory. So savor the fellowship that we have. Savor the times of worship. When we sing together, sing with all your heart. When we pray, pray with all your heart. Give us unto the Lord from your heart. Do all these things. Listen intently. Engage with the Bible. Engage with the preach. Engage with one another for the glory of God. And guess what? Better days are ahead of us, even more so in glory. So what about your fellowship? What about our worship here together? Do we have shallow fellowship? Shallow fellowship, I believe, is an indicator of a shallow worship. Shallow fellowship is an indicator of shallow worship. So the fellowship then is up to you. Make fellowship a regular habit, not just when it's convenient. Fellowship is essential for worship. And our corporate worship together promotes our spiritual growth. True worship comes from the heart of those whose lives have been changed by Jesus. My question for you today, do you know Jesus? Do you know beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that your sins are officially taken care of by what he has done on the cross. Jesus died for you. He was buried and he rose again for you to give you eternal life and forgiveness of sins and give you peace with God. Do you have that peace in your own heart by knowing Jesus Christ? If you don't, come to him today. And guess what? It's so well worth it. A focus, I want to leave you with these words today from John Wesley, founder of Methodism. And this is a focus on the practice of worship. I like what he says here. John Wesley says, I want the whole Christ for my Savior. I want the whole Bible for my book. I want the whole church for my fellowship. And I want the whole church for my mission field. Folks, I desire the same thing for Victory Baptist Church. When our church is not here, when we have sickness, when people are traveling, I dearly miss them. I hope you do too. Because why? Every person matters. Because why? We're here as a family. We look out for one another. We pray for one another. Let's encourage one another. And when we meet downstairs, meet and eat, enjoy it, and do it for the glory of God. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Praise God for this opportunity. Folks, let's grow. Let's grow in our knowledge. Let's grow in our reading. Let's grow in our prayers. Let's grow in our listening, our connection, and our worshiping. 
Next week, we're going to talk about worship as we share, worshiping as we witness. And so we praise God for that. If the Lord has spoken to your heart today, pray that you have listened to him, listened to his voice, listened to his word. If you're here today without Christ, by all means, before you leave today, get that settled. We want you to know who Jesus is. He can change your life. And for those who have been saved, let's grow together. Let's grow together even in our worship today.